0: And this game
1: is underway with a bang.
0: This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I know it's not exactly a tough competition, right? The bar is not set very high. But this might be... The most exciting, best, most wholesome Friday of the entire year, except for the fact that it's 9-11, which of course is a somber day, and we will never forget what happened uh, in 2001. But other than that, what's going on today in the sports world, and of course this is a sports show, this might just be the best Friday of the year. This might be the most exciting sports Friday of the year. We have some NBA series that are wrapping up tonight and this weekend. Game sixes and game sevens, elimination games. Celtics and the Raptors, that's been an awesome series, right? We have college football on tomorrow. We have the Brewers and the Cubs playing this weekend. And oh baby, we got the NFL back. Week one, Sunday of week one, of course is on Sunday. We had the NFL opener last night and it was it was weird, wasn't it? It was odd. It was an adjustment to see an NFL game, especially a Thursday night opening game with no fans, but I think we all kind of made do, we got used to it, and we certainly enjoyed the game last night, it was so much fun, and I'm looking forward to this weekend, we're in a good spot, sports-wise right now, we're going to talk a lot of NFL football today, you know what we're not going to talk about, we're not really going to talk about the protests or the demonstrations last night, or the ratings, or the booing in the crowd, which I just thought was funny, all you can do is laugh. I don't really want to spend any time on that today. I think, well, why have we all started to focus on ratings all of a sudden? When did when did sports become a ratings thing? If you like a sport, if you like a team, watch. If not, don't. Who cares? Like, I, I want to talk about the games. I want to talk about the teams tonight and not get uh, caught up in all that other stuff. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday. One of the best, most exciting sports weekends so far that we're going to have this year. And like I said, I know the bar's not set very high. This year has sucked across the board. But with low expectations and a low bar, we're very easily pleased. And I think we're all going to be pleased this weekend with a full sports schedule of multiple leagues. Like when is the NHL, MLB, NBA, and NFL all going on at once, right? That's a that's a pretty rare thing. I don't think it's ever happened, right? I know a pandemic shakes up a lot of stuff, but definitely hasn't been the case in my lifetime. Can't remember it. I appreciate you tuning in. I hope you're having an excellent start to your weekend. Like I said, we're going to talk a lot about sports tonight, a lot about football. I don't want to get into protests and stuff like that. Although tonight there wasn't or last night there wasn't anything too crazy to talk about anyways. We're going to talk with Dave Carney coming up at 5:30 uh as I joined his show this morning for the uh the G Spot, which is <laughs> I it's a clever name. I'll give Dave Carney that. Yeah, did you catch my G Spot this morning with Dave? Oh yeah, okay. So I talked to him this morning. He will join the show coming up at 5.30. Other than that, no guests, right? No interviews, no press conferences. It's just you and me. And if you want to talk to me, give me a call or shoot me a text. 608-796-2558 on the talk and Text Line. Don't forget, the show is always presented by the Eagles Nest, where this month you can get 15% off your entire order by just using promo code GRANT. I got the Eagles Nest last night. Ate it. We went to pick it up at halftime. Use the promo code. We just had to, uh, I think we ordered over the phone. We did order over the phone. I said, yeah, we'd like to use promo code grant. We got 15% off, went and picked it up at halftime, drove home, and just pigged out during the third quarter. It was, um, I mean, it was like a murder scene. That food was just deleted very quickly. 15% off, promo code grant, dine in, carry out, deliver. You can order online at ordereaglesnest.com. I started my day today by talking with Dave Carney. On the WKTY Morning Show. Who's going to join us in about an hour and a half. And I just just stated the obvious this morning. That's all I really did. Is I stated the obvious. Last night was the most predictable opener. That the NFL could possibly have. And season openers are always predictable. Right? The way that the NFL does them. With the exception of. Was it last year or two years ago. When the season started with Bears Packers. Because it was the 100th anniversary. Last night was predictable. Every season opener is predictable. Here's how it goes. The Super Bowl winner plays versus another elite team, typically from the same conference, right? So if the Patriots are opening the season, Steelers, right? Maybe the Colts when Peyton Manning was there, when Andrew Luck was there. Right now, you'll see like the Chiefs, Ravens, Texans. Um, I mean, maybe the Titans, although they're not a particularly flashy team. We'll see what what happens this year. If it's an NFC team, let's say the Niners would have won the Super Bowl. Probably would have matched up against the Seahawks, or the Saints, maybe the Cowboys, probably the Cowboys, the NFL would just, I mean, they couldn't turn that down, right? It's always the Super Bowl champ versus another conference contender. Last night, it was Houston versus Kansas City, if you didn't watch. Think of the Packers-Saints game in 2011, the season opener after the Packers won the Super Bowl. That game was almost identical to last night's game. Now, the score is a little bit different, but overall, how the game went And the theme of the game and the vibe of the game, they're they're identical. Every season Oprah the NFL has, by and large, is identical. They're all very predictable on a couple different fronts. A couple different bullet points here. Firstly, it was the Chiefs' night last night. It'll always be that team's night where they get their rings, they hang their banner. Well, they have their rings, but they celebrate their rings, hang their banner, right? Their fans are back in the stadium for the first time since the Super Bowl win. Last night was the Chiefs' night. And that's the way it's designed. All of the energy, the momentum, the luck, any emotion, any advantage possible goes to the home team, the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champs. We saw this early, right? It just, it, as much as it was the Chiefs night, it just wasn't the Texans night. Will Fuller and Jordan Aikens both had drops early last night, which was a bummer for me because I had Will Fuller in fantasy. He turned it around. I know you all are very concerned about my fantasy team, but early drops that you, you really just can't explain, right? It's just not the Texas night. It was the Chiefs night. Not the Texans. That's the case in every home opener. That's first. Secondly, all of Kansas City's stars last night showed up, especially the ones that they just paid. Right? It's like a it's like a storybook fairy tale story that's written. Right? The Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and then they pay Mahomes that crazy five hundred million dollar contract to keep him in KC for like thirty years. I don't even know. He only has to throw for two hundred eleven yards, but he does throw for three touchdowns last night. He was great, of course. Travis Kelsey, who just signed a fifty-seven million dollar extension. He had a touchdown last night as well. Did his little dance in the end zone. Chris Jones, their defensive lineman, they just gave him an $85 million extension. He had four tackles and a sack and a half. He had a great night as well. Hell, even Sammy Watkins, who's what? Their second or third best wide receiver? If you factor in Nicole Hardman and Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, who restructured his deal this offseason to stay in Kansas City and save the Chiefs $5 million, he had seven catches and a touchdown. Like, it was a fairy tale, like like it was scripted, right? Everybody got an extension after the win. Mahomes, Kelsey, Jones, Watkins restructured, and of course, all of them had perfect nights where they all caught a touchdown and they were celebrating, and it was just a celebration to Kansas City, right? Very typical for a season opener. Thirdly, and I'm sure some of you fantasy football owners were watching this with great interest last night, even the rookie had a great night. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie out of LSU. I think he went, he went 32nd overall, right? The last pick in the first round. He had 25 carries, 138 yards, and a touchdown. And everybody who either drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in fantasy in the first round was like, I don't know, I'm a little nervous. And then, of course, everybody who passed on him wanted to see, like, is this kid the real deal or not? Because I kind of avoided him in my drafts too, right? He's kind of a high risk. It's a player we've never seen play before. He was great. He had 130 yards and a touchdown. Fantasy owners had to both love and hate him last night because he was everywhere. He was picking up yardage. He had a touchdown, but he had a bunch of chances on the goal line, and he couldn't punch it in. I found this stat from Kevin Cole of Pro Football Focus today, and it made me laugh because I don't have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on my team. I passed on him in a couple of leagues just because I didn't want to risk it. I'm a coward. All right, I'll admit it. I don't like drafting risky players. Here are his fantasy projections versus what actually happened last night. This is hilarious. Outside the five-yard line, his projected fantasy points were 10.3. His actual, what he actually got was 20. He doubled his projection last night outside of the five-yard line. But inside the five-yard line, essentially on the goal line, his projected point total was just under 16, 15.8. What he actually ended up with was minus two-tenths. That's fantasy football. That's sports in a nutshell, but something you got to laugh at. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was great last night, just not on the goal line. Of course, he's their first-round pick, and he even busted out last night. And you know what it reminded me of? reminded me of Randall Cobb in 2011 when the Packers took him in the second round, and he had a coming-out party in that week one game, too, where he returned that touchdown, what was it, like 108, 109 yards? right? Everybody, top to bottom, vets, high-paid superstars, even right down to the rookies, they had a time last night. Very typical of a season opener for the defending champs in the case of the Kansas City Chiefs. In conclusion, it was the Chiefs' night, right? It was supposed to be. It's designed that way. Sorry, Texans, you do the short straw. You had to go play him at Arrowhead. I saw all these people freaking out last night and this morning. Oh, I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. Oh, Bill O'Brien is the worst. He should be embarrassed. Like, can we just can we just chill? Can we relax for one second? Firstly, can we stop being so personal about everything? Like Giannis has a bad postseason and we all personally attack him. Bill O'Brien has one coaching performance in Arrowhead against the defending champs who are probably going to win 14 or 15 games this year. And we all want to like crucify and put Bill O'Brien in jail. Like, can we just calm down a little bit? Can we take a deep breath? I understand Bill O'Brien isn't everybody's favorite coach. But like, can we stop getting so personal? Number one. And number two, like, it's the Chiefs. Did anybody expect Bill O'Brien to go in there and win last night? No. Okay. So Chill. Move on. It was the Chiefs night. Don't rip the Texans into Sean Watson. They were dropping passes. It just, it wasn't their night. And it wasn't supposed to be. So don't worry. That's the Texans. Now what about the Chiefs? Let's move past game one. And let's actually look forward. Because, you know, we have 16 more of these things. 17 weeks. If the Chiefs over under was set at 12 and a half or 13 wins. And I don't bet. How do you take the under on that? How does anybody expect this team to win fewer than 13 games? Right, If the over-under is at 13 and you have to pick them to win 14, okay, that's kind of tough. But it's 12 and a half. I'm taking the over. Unless they have injuries across the board or an injury to Patrick Mahomes, how can this Kansas City team win less than 13 games? I just don't see it. I looked it up today. MGM had a line at 11 and a half. Oh my God, I'd smash that over if it was 12 and a half. This will be a classic post-Super Bowl season for the Chiefs, just like it was for the Packers in 2011. I'm sure you could find other examples in the last 10 years. The Packers were easy, and I didn't want to look it up. The Chiefs are going to roll all season long. They're going to look smooth. They're not going to have a care in the world. They're not going to be stressed. They're going to be high on life, as every defending Super Bowl champ is. Now, when the playoffs start, that's a different conversation, right? That's completely different, because then it's a whole new game. It's a one-week season, and it doesn't matter if you win 13 games, 10 games. It doesn't matter if you go 16-0. Once the playoffs start, as the Packers know from 2011, it's a completely different ballgame. Right? But until then, until the postseason starts, this Chiefs team is going to roll every single week. And I think it was put very smartly and very concisely by Nick Wright on First Things First this morning, who is a Chiefs fan, uh, and I actually feel happy for him because it's nice to see a sports broadcaster that didn't go to Syracuse. Right? Well, he did go to Syracuse, but he, so that's a bad example. It's good to see a sports broadcaster that isn't all in on the LA or the New York themes. That's my point, right? Kansas City is Nick Wright's home. And I thought he put it well this morning. He's like, there are no answers to the questions that the Chiefs demand of their opponents, right? How do you cover Tyreek Hill? You don't. How do you, how do you wrap up Patrick Mahomes? How do you defend him? You don't. Right? How do you deal with Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and Nicole Hardman and now Clyde Edwards Hilaire and when Damian Williams comes back? You don't. There's there's no, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. This team is gonna put up points. You just have to be able to score enough with them. That doesn't mean defense doesn't matter, right? Don't don't get me wrong. A good defense will still have a better chance at Kansas City than a bad defense. It's not like it's hopeless. But there are no answers to the questions that the Chiefs demand of their opponents. You just have to score with them. And that doesn't mean you need to score 55 points to beat them, but you better come ready to try to score 35. That's what it would have taken last night, and I think the Chiefs are going to be hanging 27 to 35 all season long. Like, they're going to roll, and they're going to make it look easy. Once the postseason starts, things might change, because it's a brand new season. Packers fans know that. but Bucks fans know that as well, right? We're no stranger to that. But until then, I, I don't see a way that the Chiefs win fewer than 13 games. I know everybody loves the Broncos and thinks the chart. No, they're, they're going to win 12 or 13 games, I think, easily. We'll see when the postseason comes around, but it's it, nobody's going to be able to hang with this team. You cannot defend them. There's no answer to the questions that the Chiefs demand of their opponents, and I thought Nick Wright uh, was very smart and and put it smartly on his show this morning. Uh, when we come back, I want to move to the Packers because this is the Wisco Sports Show. I mean, come on, we got to talk about last night's game. It was the NFL opener, but this is the Wisco Sports Show, so let's talk about the Green Bay Packers, specifically against the NFC North right they start their matchup first week with an NFC North opponent with the Vikings this Sunday let's talk about the NFC North and the importance of those six divisional games for the packers and maybe if they're set up well or poorly to contend in their division let's talk green and gold coming up next on the wisco sports show wisco sports show rolling on happy friday Hope your weekend is off to a good start. I'm glad you've tuned in, although I must say you made the right decision by tuning in. We're going to talk Packers. We're going to talk NFL as the league gets going for real this Sunday when we have a full slate of games. Last night was a little teaser, little taster, and it was fun to bounce around between my three fantasy lineups and go on Twitter and read about it and watch highlights today. But, man, I can't wait until Sunday when we have... Game after game after game after game. And then, of course, it all culminates into Sunday Night Football, which is just the grand finale. And then, you know, week one, God, I always look forward to this. Two Monday Night games, a doubleheader. So we are just going to be able to feast, feast the next couple of days. I'm amped. If you want to join the show, text or a call, either one, 608 796 2558. That's the talk and text line. You can also tweet at me, at Keystroker Grant, or tweet at the whole station at WKTY. Pretty plain and simple, right? The Packers begin their season at the Vikings this Sunday. Now, it's not the typical road game at U.S. Bank Stadium. U.S. Bank Stadium is known for being one of the loudest, most raucous environments and stadiums in the NFL. Of course, there are going to be no fans this Sunday. So the Packers get a little bit of a break there. I wonder, by the way, if all the analytics people at Pro Football Focus, if the Packers win this Sunday, because they don't, have to deal with the crowd does it still count like does it count for half a win is it a fraudulent win like if somebody could research that please run the numbers and get back to me because I I just want to play by the rules I know very many of the Packers 13 wins last year supposedly didn't count I just want to know if they play at U.S. Bank Stadium but nobody's there I just want to make sure um because I don't want to count the win if it if it doesn't count so somebody could run the numbers please uh and get back to me I just I want to be accurate that's fair and balanced here on the Wisco Sports Show Vikings on Sunday, then they host Detroit next week. Now, some low-quality sports shows, much, much worse than this one, would spend time going through the entire Packers schedule, picking. they win-loss, the whole thing, right? And I used to do that, but something I realized is, like, the Packers will always win one game you think they they're not going to win, and they always lose one game that you don't think they're going to lose. The Chargers game is an amazing example last year. I remember listening to the radio and reading all week long, going into the Chargers. Everybody's picking the Packers. They're like, yeah, this is easy. Right, it's gonna be all Packers fans there, they'll roll. Right, new OC for the Chargers at the time, just a couple days in. Yeah, the Packers will roll. Like, everybody was in obvious agreement that the Packers want to win that game, and then they lost, which is why sports are amazing and they're crazy. And it's also why picking an entire schedule today on September 11th, it really it would be kind of a waste of time. Now, I am not a low quality sports show, right? This is top of the line as far as lacrosse area radio goes. We're not gonna pick all 17 games. I'm going to give you a couple of games to watch here. All right. Get out your calendars or your planners. If you have a, I, I don't know, how, however you keep your schedule. Sometimes I get flack at work for having a paper planner. You still use one of those? It's like, well, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to forget what's going on if I don't write stuff down. I, I can't put it all into my phone. However you keep your calendar, get it out. These are the games and the days that we must watch. This Saturday, or this Sunday, September 13th. Uh, Sunday, September 20th, which is week two. Sunday, November 1st. Sunday, November 29th. Sunday, December 13th, and Sunday, January 3rd. Those six games are the six biggest, most important games the Packers have this year. What do they all have in common? They are all against NFC North divisional opponents at Minnesota, hosting Detroit, hosting the Vikings, hosting the Bears, and then on the 13th and the 3rd of December and January, they go to Detroit and to Chicago. Who knows what the fan situation will be like then, if there'll be some fans, all fans, no fans, who knows? So the road and the home versus away, it's not as important right now. But those six games, the division games, those are the ones you need to circle. Those are the must-win games. Division games are so important, and I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about this. Six of the Packers' 16 games every year are divisional games. That's almost 40%. I think it's 37%. I did the math earlier. Off the dome, I think it's like 37.8%. Divisional record dictates playoff berths. Almost every year. It's such a strong indicator. 2019, last year, Packers are the two seed, 13 and three. Yeah, they went 6 and 0 in the division last year. In 2016, the year that most recently the Packers made the NFC Championship and got blown out after last year, it's hard to keep them all straight because it happens so often. 2016, Packers went 5 and 1 in the division. I think they had an early loss to the Vikings, if I remember correctly. 2014, the last time the Packers made the NFC Championship game and it went south, 5 and 1 in the NFC North. And if you go all the way back to 2010, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, they only won 10 games. It was a very tumultuous season with lots of injuries, but they still managed to win four of the six divisional games that they played. See the trend? If you win in the division, more often than not, you're going to make the postseason. If the Packers and the Vikings are jostling for the NFC North title, and one just barely edges out the other at the end of the season... You want to know what the deciding factor is most of the time? Divisional record, right? One team beat the Bears one extra time, or head-to-head, obviously, the Packers beat the Vikings more often than the Vikings beat the Packers. That's almost, almost all the time. That will indicate division champs if the division race is close. Look at the divisional record. Think of, think of the Brewers, for example. It's the same example, same concept, except it's blown up to fit a larger number of games. The Packers play 16 games. Six of them, just under 40%, are within their division. I don't know the numbers for the NL Central and for the Brewers. I mean, all of their games, by and large, are in the division this year. But even in a regular year, such a fat percentage of the Brewers' games are Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, uh, and now, of course, I'm blanking, Chicago, and uh, uh, what's the other team I'm forgetting? Pittsburgh, Chicago, Cincinnati, the Brewers. Are there only four? Cardinals, I'm such a dope. Yeah, I got them all. Thank you. I didn't write that down in my notes because I didn't think I'd need them. The Brewers need to win games against the NL Central if they want to get into the postseason. Just because it's such a fat number of their games, it's such a fat percentage. Same in the NFL, same with the Packers. If they want to make the postseason, they want to win the division, that divisional record is paramount. Which is why those six games are the six games that I'm circling already. Here on September 12th or September 11th, two days before the Packers play. Aaron Rodgers was asked in his press conference a couple of days ago about his record against the NFC North. At this moment, before the season starts, Aaron Rodgers has a 47 18 and 1 record against the division. That should be 48 and 18, but the Vikings got handed a free tie a couple of years ago, if you remember, because Clay Matthews decided to breathe uh, on Kirk Cousins. Aaron Rodgers was asked, Do you like make it a personal mission every year? to win the NFC North? Is that a personal goal of yours? Like, why are you so successful in the NFC North? Here's his answer.
1: Yeah, they've always been important. I mean, obviously, that's the best way to ensure a playoff spot is to dominate your division. We've, I think, won the division title six times in my 12 years. Um, we've won it with as few as eight wins and as many as 15. Um, and We won the Super Bowl without winning the division. Um, and we've made the playoffs without winning the division as well. Um, but... It is definitely the easiest way to secure a home playoff spot. It's always been very important. I think our division has always been really competitive. You know, the the NFC North has always been characterized by a number of really strong defenses and uh, elite players, especially on that side of the ball. Uh, We know that especially in two of our stadiums, it can get really cold in the wintertime. There's a premium on ball security and dominating line of scrimmage, and we've done a good job. I've uh, taken football over the years and we want some really important games and some cold weather environments.
0: I want to continue to talk about the importance of NFC North games and divisional record, but really quickly first, small side note, I wish I would have contemplated this. Like, what does it mean to be an NFC North guy, right? We're NFC North people. We're NFC North fans, right? We like cold weather, smash mouth football, except for the Vikings. They prefer to stay warm inside, which I, I'm i not going to lie. It probably would be nice on a cold winter day to go to a game in U.S. Bank, but there's something to be said both ways, right? You're either staying warm, or you have an awesome atmosphere, and you can put on the Carhartts and the boots, and sit outside. Both are good. What does it mean to be an NFC North guy, right? We value smash mouth defense. We control the line of scrimmage. We run the football, and by God, we don't turn it over. Because when it's six degrees, one turnover, that's all it takes. That'll spell your fate right there. I just thought that was funny, because I never really contemplated what is an NFC North Football, like, what is the culture? What does it mean to play in the NFC North? And I think Aaron Rodgers hit on that. And I'm sure Vikings fans, Bears fans, Lions fans, everybody listening, I'm sure you agree. I think Rodgers wrapped it up really well. Now back to the serious stuff. Rodgers actually gives a good rundown or a blueprint on how to compete in this division. And he should know because he's been competing in this division, what, since the mid-2000s? I guess mid, what does 2000s mean? 2005, 2006? He almost gives a recipe, right? Right. The bullet, point, the bullet points that are important to winning in this division specifically. Uh, he hits it in about a 15-second window. I'll replay that for you.
1: You know, the NFC North has always been characterized by a number of really strong defenses and uh, elite players, especially on that side of the ball. Uh, we know that, especially in you know, two of our stadiums, it can get really cold in the wintertime. And there's a premium on ball security and dominating line of scrimmage.
0: Aaron Rodgers kind of gives a recipe. You want to win the NFC North, here's what you got to do. Strong defense, ball security, dominate the line of scrimmage. If you hit those three, chances are you'll be there at the end, right? And then you can rely on your playmakers. Let's look at uh, uh, what would the year have been, 2015 or 20, 2013, right? When the Bears and the Packers are at it at the end, right? The Bears, both the Bears, Packers both had a good defense, right? They both protected the ball by and large. Jay Cutler wasn't as good as Aaron Rodgers, right? They both were good at the line of scrimmage. But what was the difference? Okay, it was Aaron Rodgers. It came down to Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb at the end. But to at least be in the mix, to be there at the end, if you have a strong defense, you take care of the football and you dominate the line of scrimmage, you'll be there at the end in the division, which I guess is all you can ask for. If we look at those three bullet points, how do you think the Packers fare? Let's start with strong defenses. If we were to power rank the division's defenses, I don't know what the order would be. I think a couple of weeks into the season, we'll know. If it was two years ago, it would be loud and clear, obvious. The Bears, number one, Vikings, number two, and then the Packers and the Lions are just fighting to be average at three and four. This year, however, I'm not sure. I think the Vikings, the Bears, and the Packers all do things well separately. I think the Lions do some things good, too. They need to rebuild their defense a little bit. They can't rush the passer to save their life. I don't know if it's obvious who the best defense is in the NFC North. Suffice to say, I think the Bears, the Vikings, and the Packers all have a good enough defense. The Vikings, they have a couple more question marks. Daniel Hunter's health, first and foremost, and then their cornerback situation. Right, That could be a dumpster fire, or their young players could come on and be great. We need to see a little bit more, but I think we'll know a couple of weeks in who the best defense is in the NFC North. I think the Packers, the Vikings, and the Bears all could make a run at that. We'll see. Strong defense is point number one. Point number two, Rodgers made ball security. I mean, we don't really have to look farther than Rodgers' touchdown to interception ratio, which is all time incredible. He's number one all time at 4.33. Russell Wilson is next at 3.34. So it's almost a full touchdown better than number two. We know Aaron Rodgers takes care of the football. The rest of the team should be pretty good too. I mean, why do you think the Packers love Jamal Williams so much? He doesn't fumble right? A lot of teams probably would have traded Jamal Williams, given the situation of the running back room. I'm glad the Packers didn't, but a lot of teams would. Save money, get future draft capital, don't lose a player for nothing. I'm fine losing Jamal Williams for nothing at the end of this year because he's a good player and he doesn't fumble the ball. And as Aaron Rodgers said, if you want to win the NFC North, you got to take care of the football. Ball security. I think the Packers are pretty good there, especially with Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback. Now, finally, he mentioned controlling the line of scrimmage. There's a couple angles with which to approach this. Are we talking run defense, rushing the passer, protecting the quarterback? The the Packers are better, certainly, at rushing the passer and protecting their quarterback than they are at run defense. I think between Smith-Smith and Clark and Gary on defense, they'll be okay up front. They'll find a way. And I think on offense, between Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Corey Lindsley, things could be worse, right? I, I think they can use Lane Taylor and then figure out the fifth spot. They could be worse on both lines. Case in point, to conclude before we move on, I think the Packers are good enough defensively. They're great at ball security, and they should be good enough at controlling the line of scrimmage to put themselves in a place to win the division. Aaron Rodgers' words, not mine. Just going off what Aaron Rodgers is saying, he would certainly know better than me. Uh, When we come back, I want to talk about the Packers' run defense. It's a question that's come up a lot in press conferences, and I think it's something we need to address, especially with the way that last season ended. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Happy Friday. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. I'm your host. Talking text line is wide open, as always. I'd love to talk. 608-796-2558. We're talking Packers, kind of previewing week one, trying to cover the team from a couple different angles, right? We we don't only want to focus on one thing on this show. We're very wide-reaching. We always take everything into perspective and everything into consideration. That's what we do on the Wisco Sports Show. A big thanks to the Eagles Nest because they take everything into consideration too. Their menu is huge, lots of options, and it's all good. And right now you can get 15% off the Eagles Nest on Campbell Road. Order in, dine in, if that's your thing. Delivery, takeout, order online, doesn't matter, 15% off. Just use promo code GRANT when you order. And if you're dining in, like just tell the server, like, hey, I'd like to use promo code GRANT. And they'll be like, okay, I'll give you a little wink and a nod and you'll save a bunch of money. So go get after that this weekend. Pick up some food from the Eagles Nest. Perfect for uh, week one of the NFL season. Then you can really focus on fantasy. You can focus on sitting down and watching the games. Not on cooking. Nobody wants to focus on cooking this weekend. So let Eagles Nest uh, handle that for you. We're going to talk to Dave Carney coming up in exactly one hour. So stands of the uh, WKTY Morning Show. Don't worry. You can hear Dave one more time. Uh, before the weekend, of course, he'll be back next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Thank God I don't have to get up at 6 a.m. after watching Sunday Night Football. Uh, but that's why they pay Dave the big bucks, right? And he will join us coming up in about an hour. In the meantime, we're talking about the Packers and previewing week one just a little bit. I, I think while previewing this season, it's important to remember last season. And especially remembering their weaknesses, right? Now, they did go 13-3, and but they were by no means flawless, right, and a couple things go differently last year, maybe we're talking about an 11-5 and team, heck, even a 10-6 and team, right, it was that close, I mean, two games against the Lions, they saw Matt Moore, they saw Kyle Allen, like, they got a little lucky last year, and that's fine, don't feel bad about that, don't apologize for that, it happens in sports, that's how sports work, don't apologize, because our team got a couple of breaks, right, that's how sports work, and I'm sure it'll come crashing down this year, next year, where we will be unlucky, that's just how sports work, But it is important to remember the Packers' weaknesses last year, specifically two of them, wide receivers and defensive line. By defensive line, I mean defensive line as in stopping the run, right? They can rush the passer. They got some good outside linebackers, some good edge rushers. But defensive line outside of Kenny Clark, they really couldn't do much to stop the run. I understand why the Packers didn't address wide receiver in the offseason. I still would have preferred for them to find one at some point. In for, well, they did. They found Devin Funches in free agency, and he opted out, right? So I, I understand why the Packers didn't address the wide receiver need. They believe in valdez scaling, They believe in St. Brown. I get that. I don't necessarily agree, but I, I see the merit. I, I can put myself in Brian Gutekin's shoes and understand his thinking. But the defensive line remained untouched as well. That, that one sticks with me a little bit more because in all four of their losses last year, three in the regular season and one in the postseason, the rushing game was a huge issue. The Packers could not contain the rushing attack in all four losses, starting on September 26th, week four last year. That was the Oktoberfest game. The Eagles, Thursday night. By the way, rest in peace. I hate thinking about this game. Firstly, because the Packers lost, but secondly, just confronting the reality that we're not going to have Fest this year is a huge bummer. The Packers lost that game and gave up 167 yards on the ground. They were shredded, start to finish. Also, the Packers didn't get a sack in that game. That's a theme that you notice in all these games. When the Packers are giving up the run, they don't get to the quarterback. 167 yards and no sacks, right? 176, excuse me. Week nine, their next loss, November 3rd, against the Chargers. We already mentioned this game a couple of minutes ago. They gave up 159 yards on the ground and also didn't record a sack. It's Phillip Rivers. It's not like it's hard to sack Phillip Rivers. Just, Just blow on him. Like hot food, he'll tip over. The Packers couldn't manage one sack. Gave up 159 yards on the ground. Next loss, week 12 against the Niners. Sunday Night Football. I remember it very well. Packers gave up 112 yards rushing. Now, that's not a miserable number. That's not terrible. But when your offense can manage nothing, uh, 112 yards is, is pretty unmanageable, right? That was week 12. And then, of course, in the NFC Championship game, we all know what happened there. They gave up 285 yards on the ground. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they actually... did. They, did They What was the shortest run in that game? What was the shortest run that the Niners had in that game? I want to know. Five yards? Because that's what it felt like. It felt like Monte Ball against Nebraska in the snow. Or Melvin Gordon, rather. When he went for 4.08. And like his shortest yards. He was averaging like 15 yards a carry in that game. That's what it felt like. All four of the losses last year that the Packers did. From the regular season to the NFC Championship game. All were related to not being able to stop the run. Small side note... I'm not an, not an analytics dude or a mathematician, which I'm sure is a huge shock to you if you listen to the show routinely. The running game seems like a foundational indicator, doesn't it? Right, if you can't stop the run, typically it leads to other issues. Think of it as a boat or a submarine. You spring one leak, that often isn't the end of your problems. Then typically you're going to have another leak and another leak, and now all of a sudden your ship is sinking. Week four against the, the, the Eagles. They gave up 180 yards on the ground. They couldn't record a sack. Against the Chargers, 159 yards, they couldn't record a sack. That's a huge strength of the Packers with the Smith brothers and Kenny Clark. Just minimal, minimalized, n- n- you know, negated completely because they couldn't stop the run. The NFC Championship game, or rather week 12 against the Niners, they gave up 112 yards rushing, which isn't terrible in and of itself, but they also gave up 227 yards passing. My point is, if you can't stop the run, which is a foundational indicator, at least for the Packers last year, if you can't stop the run, it leads to other issues. And on the the inverse of that, if you can run the ball, you can pass the ball. If you can run the ball, you can protect your quarterback, right? It's a foundational piece. If you can run the ball, you're going to have a good time. If you can't stop the run, you're going to have a tough time. The running game can set up everything else. And what we saw in this offseason, and what we've seen in the past, Lafleur and Gutekind seem to agree, don't they? The Packers have invested to improve their own running game. They drafted A.J. Dillon. But what about stopping the running game of other teams? They didn't draft or sign a defensive lineman. They didn't change defensive coordinators. They're just kind of running it back and probably believing in development of Kingsley Kiki, maybe Tyler Lancaster, Kenny Clark, and Dean Lowry. I don't know how much better Kenny Clark can get. I hope a lot better, but I, I don't know. It's kind of bold to just run it back, right? Packers reporter, specifically Tom Silverstein, has been asking about this. He asked the Smith brothers a couple of days ago, and we actually heard this... Um, when did we listen to this? Yesterday, we heard from the Smith brothers. They said, how are you going to improve your running game if you didn't make any changes? Just trusting our technique. You know, a lot of times we were just out of uh, position to make plays and we was doing stuff that, you know, we want a coach to do and, you know, they they, they capitalized off those mistakes that we were making. And, um, you know, we got to learn. We know this year this off season working. You know, it's been a long offseason due to, you know, COVID and not getting that much coaching and, you know, OTAs. But now, like, you know, we had this time. We all trusting our technique. Uh, Guys been playing signing. We just got to keep on being consistent with that week in and week out and um, letting it show on Sundays. So you need to execute right? It's, it's, it's not a scheme thing. It's they didn't execute the scheme. They got to do what they were coached to do. Christian Kirksey asked the same thing. And I don't remember if it was Tom Silverstein, but like the Packers reporters really been zeroing in on this topic, right? You guys couldn't stop the run last year. You didn't do anything to improve your run defense. Christian Kirksey says, how will you improve the running game despite not making any changes?
1: Having a good run defense is just attitude. Um, our guys are willing, um, to, you know, stay in their gap, uh, make sure they're responsible. Um, for, for holding their gap. And um, like I said, just attitude. You know, all guys just wanting to stop the run. I think there's, there's no secret formula to it. And I think the guys are fully invested into uh, understanding, um, you know, teams are going to try to run the ball. And um, it's our job to stop them. And uh, like you said, I, I wasn't a part of uh, the San Francisco game, but I can just see that, you know, guys are, uh, are really putting special emphasis on uh, stopping the run here.
0: So they're trying harder, right? That's what it comes down to. How are you going to stop the run this year? Well, we're going to be better and we're going to try harder. It's execution. It's not scheme. <laughs> this is tough timing, um, but doesn't this kind of seem like a very Budenholzer approach? Right? It's, it's Budenholzian. It's, it's a, a state of thinking, right? Execution is more important than scheme. I think Pettin watched tape from last year's games where they're getting shredded in the run game, and he must have said, look, this ain't my fault. These guys aren't doing what I told them to do. They're not running the play correctly. They're not in the right spot. They're not executing. Guys need to execute better. That's what that's what I'm assuming Mike Petton thinks when he watches tape, and like I don't know if his players agree with him like fully, but Preston Smith seems to agree. We we're doing stuff that you know we want a coach to do, and you know they 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 capitalized off those mistakes that we were making. So it's execution. It's not a scheme problem. It's not a player problem. The players that are out there need to be better. Okay. Execution was probably an issue last year. It must be because I'm hearing it from multiple players and coaches like that. Okay, they didn't execute correctly. All right. I'm not going to go back and watch the film. Like, I'll take these guys' words for it for now. Execution was probably an issue, but also maybe tweak a few things. Like, have a backup plan, right? Like, I can't stand it when NBA coaches come to the press conference after a playoff loss. And they're like, well, we didn't make our threes. You know, They made their threes, we didn't make ours. It's like, okay, I don't accept that as an excuse. It's a make or miss league, I get it. But even when your guys aren't hitting shots, you need to have another gear. You need to have another, you need to have a plan B. Okay, if the three-point shots aren't falling, we do this. You need to change up gears. And if it doesn't work, fine, it doesn't work, but you need to have a plan B. That's my concern. As we get into the season, the Packers still can't stop the run, and we hear the same things. Well, they need to execute better, right? They need to, they need to make plays. It's like, well, maybe... But maybe the scheme needs to be tweaked just a little bit. I don't know. I'm not a football coach. I don't know what I'm talking about. Just something that I see watching football the last couple of years and doing this show. Just I don't know. Between the Bucks and the Packers, there's some interesting connections when it comes to the run game and when it comes to the the Bucks getting figured out in the postseason as well. When we come back right before five o'clock, I, I want to have a little fun. Uh, Skip Bayless, everybody's favorite sports broadcaster, uh, got his you know what stuck in a stuck in a door stuck in a car door yesterday. He's in he's in a tough spot. Uh, for some dumb stuff he said. As a lover of Skip Bayless and as an appreciator in the way that Skip Bayless is a stand-up comic, not in the way that he's a valued broadcaster in any way, I find him hilarious, but this is a tough scene for Skip Bayless. I'll tell you what I'm talking about coming up next. It's the Wisco Sports Show.